Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. My next guest has a very interesting story of triumph, defeat, self-discovery, and success. He is a former nationally ranked track athlete, rugby player, entrepreneur, 10-year full-time meditating monk, say that five times fast, actor and philanthropist. Did I mention he's also a Kiwi? Be prepared to have your mind blown. Let's put our hands together and give a superhero welcome to Ramon Newman. Ramon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ace. And first of all, you have one of the most amazing uh, names, Ace. Who, who, who wouldn't want a name like that? You know, so is that, I, I'm curious, and we will get into that, how, how Ace, is that, is that the real name your parents came out with, or is that just something that you've evolved into? Oh, man, I would have been the coolest kid in school if my parents had given me this name. <laughs> but with that said, I was reborn, and a group of men that I just love and admire gave me that name. I didn't pick it out myself. It was bestowed yep. upon me, and I am so honored and blessed to carry that name around with me. But it is a pretty... It's a big shoes to to fill f- with this kind of name, but uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. <laughs> definitely, definitely, awesome. So now, yeah, and 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 obviously, you're living up to it because you know you're doing the superhero podcast, and uh, that's a nice thing to do. I appreciate that, man. Hey, I just feel blessed that I'm here with my, the ability to share stories of people like yourself because I know we're going to get deep into who you are and how you've become the person you are today. But it was a long road, a very crazy, inspirational road. And I just can't wait for you to share your story with my audience. So for those of you who are listening, Ramon is the co-founder of New Mavericks, which is a CEO leadership development partnership based out of both the United States and Australia. Check out their website, newmavericks.com. He is also the co-author of a book called Science of Protection, Making High-Pressure Impactful Leadership Decisions That Protect and Enhance You and Everyone. You can also follow him on Instagram at Ramon Newman. Now, Ramon is spelt with two A's, R-A-A-M-O-N and Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N. So, Ramon, since you are a high-performance coach, I am going to start with a very high-level question. You ready for it? Yep. How you doing, man? <laughs> How am I doing? Well, uh, interesting you ask because uh, I just turned 50 uh, last week, was it? God, it's already gone that fast. Uh, yeah, so I just turned 50 and I got a tooth that's going to be extracted in a couple of hours. So that was my gift of my 50th is to get rid of one of my, my tooth that's basically done 50 years of life and served me well. And I love it so much, but... It's, it's done its dash and it, it has to move on. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I mean, I'm just really excited to, to be here with you and uh, talking about uh, good stuff. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, happy birthday. I just turned 40 a couple weeks ago back in uh, late March myself. And um, yeah, the, the decade birthday is is quite a milestone. How, how do you feel? You, you don't look 50. Like, I'm sure you don't even feel 50. But yeah, how does how does... <laughs> They, they say ha- over the hill, right? 50 is over the hill or something like that. I, I'm sure you don't subscribe yeah, to that I, I prescription. And I felt as, yeah, I turned 50 and I felt as old as my parents, you know. So I can now say I'm in the over 50 club. That's right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, I'm getting used to that feeling of being 50. And, and the honest truth is that, you know, I feel like I've done my hero's journey for the first 50 years of my life. And, it, and it's the beginning of a new hero's journey. Um, I just had my first baby boy a couple months ago, uh, so he's given a whole new lease of life and, and journey to to my life, and I'm so grateful for that. And so, yeah, no, it, uh, it's a, it's a new beginning, fifty for sure. That man, that's incredible. That is much to celebrate. You said this is your first kid at fifty. Yeah, first kid. Yeah, yeah. I'm on, I'm on the. I call it being on the George Clooney plan. You just wait and wait and wait and wait, and then finally, ah, oh, okay, I gotta have a kid now. That's funny. You mentioned George Clooney because. For those of you watching the YouTube version of this, this is a very Ramon. You are a very handsome man, and you 
besides having a child. <laughs> 50 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wait 50 years. And uh, yeah, no. And eventually you get that. You, know, the, the, you get to look like the person you want to look like. That's right. That's right. Well, I saw Brad Pitt in a movie the other day. And man, that guy, he just gets. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. Yeah. That was a high bar that he set when he was young in age. But as that guy ages, he still looks freaking amazing. The guy, And he moves amazing, too. I don't think he gets much uh, stunt double work done. I think uh, he's the real deal yeah. with his stuff. So um, anyways, yeah. <laughs> going off on a little bit of a tangent. Um, your story is incredible. Can you kind of just give us the beginnings of your journey? I know there's a lot of different chapters to it. Like you said, you've lived 50 years. There's a whole new life coming ahead of you. I know there's going to be a lot more good stories and things like that, but can you tell us a little bit of your younger years? I had mentioned that you were a very great athlete. Um, can you go through the, I guess, kind of the origin story of, of who Ramon Newman it was and what you had to go through to become the man you are today? Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so it started out in New Zealand, uh, I was born in Wellington, New Zealand, grew up on the North Shore of Auckland in New Zealand. Um, kind of had a typical Kiwi lifestyle uh, growing up, played a lot of sport, rugby, athletics, cross country, tennis, swimming, you named it. And I was pretty much the energizer bunny. Uh, my partner, Laura, says I still am. Um, but it's I was just very active, even as a, as a toddler, my my grandmother would say, you, you know, how was I as a toddler? She says, you just, just keep running around, you know? And so that eventually evolved into um, being, you know, I first recognized my running talent when I was about the age of nine and when I broke the club record um, in the 800 meters. And then I had a, like a, a streak there for about two years where I was just undefeated in 800 meters and 1500 meters. And I'd, I'd win quite convincingly, um, like I'm talking like length of straight type of stuff. There's actually one time oh, wow. in a national age group, I think I was 12, and I actually lapped one of the guys in the 1500 meters. And it's pretty hard to lap someone in a 1500 meters. Now, granted, he must be going super slow, and I must have been going at a decent tick. But yeah, so that that really got me into you know recognizing, oh, I've, I've got some ability here to, to move quickly at, at long distances. And that parlayed also into, into rugby, you know, as, as a very active uh, rugby player and, and being fit in rugby is super important. And it's just not you know, long distance speed, but also short speed and stuff like that. So, yeah, so I really excelled through my teenage years and eventually, you know, uh, was a top three nationally ranked uh, junior athlete over 800 meters, 1500 meters. And then I got to a point where my coach, who was an Olympic gold medal winning coach, he coached uh, an athlete by the name of John Walker, uh, who was very successful in the 70s. He was actually the first man to run under three minutes, 50 seconds at the mile. And I got to train with John in his wow. latter years when he was trying to become the first 40-year-old to win a uh, to go under sub four. Um, and there's a whole story where that didn't happen. And, and maybe I'm partly to blame because I tried to push him too much in one of those training sessions and he actually pulled his Achilles tendon. So, uh, so yeah, but at, around that time, actually, uh, when it, my coach said to me, he said, look, you know, if you, you've got the ability, if you can uh, keep up with your progress, keep up with your training and stay healthy, there's no reason why you can't go to the Olympics. And so when someone like him says something like that to you, you go, okay, yeah, I, I guess I better give this a shot. And so I gave it my darnest and I trained like nobody's business. And it got to the point where I missed qualifying for the World Junior Championships by a few seconds in the 1500 meters, around 351. I think the qualifying time was one, uh, 349. And that was as an 18 year old and 18, 19 year old. And then, um, and I got really sick. It's just like my body just broke down. And as I said, I was very good at the training. I was terrible at knowing how to recover properly. And I've since realized that recovery is just as important, if not more important than the actual training and effort, because uh, that's yeah. where you get to grow and, and build and, and get stronger. And so I learned that, that lesson really hard. And I got very sick, a lot of respiratory problems, a lot of digestive problems, kept me up most nights for over six months, felt like I was an insomniac. 
started to feel depressed about myself, feel like I'd lost my sole purpose in life to be a professional athlete. And just like compounded that by, oh, I'm just going to numb this, you know, I'm just going to drink a little bit more. I'm just going to eat a little bit more. I'm just going to date whoever seems interested. And that only just made me feel even worse because I wasn't really facing myself. And so finally I realized, okay, I'm missing something here. There's a piece of knowledge that I don't have that I need in order to continue to want to achieve and progress in life without destroying myself, without ruining my, my well-being. And so eventually I stumbled across through actually some of my teammates um, in my coaching group who had decided that they were going to be a little more wise than I was and, and have a recovery um, program or, and technique. And that technique was TM, Transcendental Meditation. So I said, oh, what's that all about? Hey, you know, how do you do it? And they said, well, you know, it's a very simple, effortless mental technique where the mind settles down. When your mind settles down, your body settles down, you get deep rest, it's deeper than sleep, and you release stresses that not even sleep can get rid of. And I thought, cool, that sounds like what I need. And so I went along to the intro, and actually the, my running coach's arch, his son was, was a teacher of this technique. And so I went along to, to Martin's. Uh, intro. I didn't really listen to what he was saying. I said, I just want the experience. Just give me the experience. So I had the experience. And the first time I learned to really, because I thought I was a pretty relaxed, kind of chill kind of guy. But as soon as I realized, oh man, the mind has all these layers and it, it can actually just go more deeply into being in a settled, alert, awake uh, and relaxed state. And as soon as I had that first experience of my mind, mind transcending my my superficial surface level of thinking, my conscious thinking, my subconscious thinking, and getting down to that field of pure consciousness. I go, oh, yeah. wow, this is this is bliss. And it was. And I literally, the contrast was so great. I walked out of that meditation feeling like I was walking on the clouds. Now, obviously, I wasn't walking on the clouds, but it felt like that. The contrast was so great. And and that depth of, of bliss, that is, I've re now realized that that's our innate nature. Our innate nature is bliss. We're born from bliss. We're sustained by bliss. Eventually, we're going to merge back into it. And so that was my, that was then became my focus. I literally flipped the script on wanting to uh, be so outward and active to like getting more of this inner fulfillment, this inner quality of life. And so, long story short, I basically went to the US, went to a university, MIU, Marshall International University in Fairfield, Iowa with a, it's not mandatory, but it's encouraged that, you know, you practice your meditation techniques as part of brain development and, and less stress as being a student. And so I was there, I was just working on staff and I was doing a continuing education programs. And, and eventually I, I just wanted to meditate more and more. So eventually at the age of 25, I decided I'm going to meditate full time, eight hours a day, seven days a week. I uh, found out there was a facility down in oh, wow. uh, Boone, North Carolina. And there was a men's campus and a ladies' campus, and there was men and women from all different ethnics and countries and religions all around the world, and they just came there because they wanted to meditate full-time, eight hours a day. So I was going to do that program for one year. And after one year, I go, oh, wow, this is great. I'm loving this. You know, maybe if I can do another year. No one's really going to miss me from the world. You know, there's a lot of people out there that can do, do stuff. I can just meditate. And so I decided to do another year two years and then that evolved into three into four and five and 10 years later I'm, I realized oh yeah I'm still here doing this this full-time meditating thing and it was really fulfilling and then there's also a lot of purification involved because you know when we are going to deeper levels of sales there's stuff that that's there that doesn't need to be there that needs to be let go of um, but that just reveals more more bliss and energy like sometimes I go wake up in the morning and go why why am I why am I meditating why am I meditating so much and then I, I just I'd just go, oh, let's just go and meditate. <laughs> so I went and meditate and I go, oh, that's why I'm here. You know, I'm just developing more and more of this this consciousness that we all are so I can be feel more fulfilled in it so I can feel more of that, that inner bliss as the basis for whatever's going to come out of that because a lot of the times we're, we're chasing achievement and, and progress because we want to feel fulfilled. But an actual fact, and that's a, a level of fulfillment, outer fulfillment I call it, but inner fulfillment yeah. Is something we don't achieve. We just experience, and we just experience it because our mind's settled and alert and awake, and our heart is open and content and, and feels that that love flowing, and that's that's fulfillment, you know. And if we can be more and more in that state more of the time, then naturally, whatever we 
want to achieve and progress in our outer world is a byproduct. It's not like the be or end all because we already arrived at the goal. And so we're living, being fulfilled before, during, and after while we're achieving and progressing. Oh, so you're saying I can sit in my room for eight hours a day and feel more fulfilled than making money and having a cool car and driving fast and eating fancy dinners and all of that? Yes. Yes, I, w- I will say that and I'll condition <laughs> that by saying we live in a, in a material world. We have a physical body that has to get taken off. There's, there's certain desires and needs that we all have. Now, when you're in a full-time meditating monastic program that I was, it, it was like that was primary, right? And secondary was, right. was taking, care of, taking care of your body. Now, even as monks, we had to take care of our bodies. We had to do certain things to stay fit and, and healthy on the level of the body uh, in order to allow that nervous system to experience those deeper layers of, of consciousness and bliss. And so, yeah, I mean, I can definitely say that I had experiences where it's been hard to match anything I've done on the sensory level, the worldly level. Like I just, you can't, you can't get that, you know, through your senses because the thing about the senses is that they're important because they allow us to experience the world, but they're limited, you know, that pleasure pain cycle, it comes, it goes, you know, it's, it's a field of fluctuation. Um, Whereas that bliss is always there. It's, Bliss is eternal, you know, uh, whereas happiness and pleasure and joy and stuff like that it kind of fluctuates, you know? Yeah. No, you can't be happy all the time. You can't be, well, I guess some people can be sad all the time, but I, I, I was being a little facetious with that comment. I, I, I meditate myself. Yep. I agree completely. When you get down from the conscious, you know, your prefrontal cortex down into your subconscious, you're front of your brain turns off, you get more into your limbic brain and you're really experiencing life on a different level, all from within yourself. And from a guy, I have not meditated to the degrees that you have done in your life, but I can tell you honestly, when I am consistent with my meditation practice, morning and evening, I feel more balanced of a person when I'm out in the real world. I feel like I have more perspective. I'm able, like you said, you reach a higher level of consciousness so you don't get stuck in the weeds. Like you, you could, what they say, you could see the forest from the trees or whatever that line is. Like you're able to have a better perspective on life. You feel more content. And what's happening in the material world isn't as good or as bad. Like, it, like you said, I love how you said, it's just a byproduct at that point because you've already put in the work yourself. And I was just at a retreat. We meditated for thir- this past week and six days. We meditate. I know this isn't much for you, but we meditated 30 hours in six days. I've never meditated that long. That's about five hours. Yeah. Five hours a day. Uh, one of the sessions was four and a half hours long. And the crazy thing, when you're in a meditative state, you don't have a sense of time. You don't have a sense of body. Like when you get down to those, those, uh, lower levels of brain waves, you're not even aware of your ego, your person, and that's what you're supposed to do. So you can feel those eternal states um, and feel connected. That's the great thing about meditation is you feel connected with everything. It feels like everything is energy and you are just connecting with the universe at that point. And there's so much love and compassion that comes out of that. And yeah, once you experience, like you said, bliss, something like that, Oh my God, there's no medicine that can make you feel that good because it, it sticks with you. And the longer you meditate, the more you build up that muscle. Oh my God, it, it is just a phenomenal thing. But yeah, most people are in the material world kind of stuck in there. And you know, it, 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 the rat race, you know, a lot of people call, call it, but, um, yeah, it, it could be pretty damaging, I would say to your soul and to, your, your inner existence. If you don't get time to spend time with your, your internal self. Yep, exactly. And you get stuck in those boundaries, just, you know, even if you're extremely wealthy, you know, you, you've got a certain level of freedoms and stuff like that, but you're still bound by that. You can still be attached to all that. And that can create a lot of fear and anxiety. And so as you're able to experience the unbounded side of yourself while you're dealing with the boundaries, then you're in a far better, healthier 
you know, mental place to, to enjoy your life and enjoy your wealth. You know, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a powerful thing to experience, not happiness, but this quality, as we're mentioning, bliss, because it, it purifies a lot of problems. Like you say, things are not as bad or as good as we think they are. But when we have that evenness of bliss, because life is on the relative field of change, it's just it is a, a undulation of win and loss and gain and, and pain and, and, and all that, you know, and, and the whole idea is not to be bound by it. You know that we can still witness it and observe it and go through it and 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 it's part of the hero's journey as as you well know you know to go yeah. through all those things and still be free in your mind at least oh i agree and you know i think the bigger thing too is like well not the bigger thing but one thing is just that self inflection you know whether you're meditating or journaling like when you spend time with yourself that is a time that you are loving yourself because if, if we spend all of our time trying to please other people, like high achievers are, are notoriously known for being, whether they're people pleasers or they're just really hard on themselves because all they want to do is grow and achieve and grow and achieve, but they're not, you know, really looking inward. Like, how am I doing? What's going on inside of me? You know, a lot of you work with tons of CEOs. I'm sure a ton of them even use their success or how much they've done in their careers. Cause these are the top of the top of the business world. They're, they're masking something They're You know, they've, they've used this work ethic as a bat, not a badge of honor necessarily, but there's deeper stuff going on. Did you, do you find that having a, a, a consistent meditation practice that that does help you when you go into the subconscious work on, inner turmoil, inner traumas, past traumas, emotions that you might have tied to childhood memories, things like that. Are you able to explore those things when, when you do meditate? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I kind of break, uh, self-development and personal development out into two, two different areas. Self-development is when we're experiencing more of the self, the, the, the pure self, right? The unbounded self. Uh, and that has a, a value in, yeah, bringing those, those traumas or those stresses that have maybe implanted in our nervous system and our psyche, you know, bring them to the surface to, to be purified and, and let go of. Now, the, on top of that, we need that personal development where we're integrating those changes, right? We've let go of the old conditioning and we need the personal development to go, okay, where do I need to change my behavior? Where do I need to change my, the way I, I handle myself in different situations, right? And because, you know, we know people can be spiritual, but then they're not good at actually being, you know, very easy to work with in the world, you know, and in worldly matters right. like keeping your word, you know, meeting your obligations and stuff like that. Oh, it's all spiritual. No, no. You need to integrate that spiritual awareness into practicality of worldly life. Otherwise, you're not an integrated person, right? You're, you're actually disconnected from reality because there's there is that spiritual value of things and then there's also the material value of things. And and ultimately, they all become one and they should be one, uh, that they're integrated together. And so I don't think it's healthy when people kind of bypass, I guess we, we call it. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's really important. And I, I think the meditation helps you get an, a perspective, like you said, on yourself, an edge of perspective, um, on how you're handling yourself, how you're handling your relationships, how other people are behaving towards you and being able to be, have that complete self-awareness to go, okay, this is happening. Now I need to make this correction. I need to help this person correct the way that they're treating me sort of thing. So yeah, I think it's it's a valuable valuable tool, and I came to to realize the value of it when in 2007 I left that monastic environment and I went to New York City, and basically out of the cave and into the marketplace. And I wanted to do that because I wanted to not be half-hearted about it. I wanted to like, okay, I'm either in the cave or I'm in the marketplace. And New York City definitely pulls you out of yourself. It's one of the most dynamic, busy marketplaces cities in the world. And acting is all about action. It's, it's acting. It's performing. And I'd spent so much time connecting to myself that I needed something like acting, not so much because I want to be an actor, but because I wanted to uh, connect with the world again, you know, and acting is all about great connecting. And so I did a summer program and then I did another couple of year program just 
acting training and performing in New York City, really to get back into the world, right? But it just so happened those two years, 2007, 2008, when it was a lot of financial turmoil going on in the world. There's a lot of collapse going on and you could feel it in the city, people were getting laid off and there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of stress. And it made me realize, go, oh, how come these really smart, intelligent business leaders, super smart, they're like got all the responsibility, all the money in the world, they've organized or somehow created this financial calamity for themselves and their businesses and their people and, and the global financial sector. And I realized, ah, oh, they had the same problem I did. They're so focused on that out of development and achievement and progress, not realizing that the basis and the foundation for protecting that, this is why we wrote the book, The Science of Protection, is that development of consciousness and awareness to really make decisions that we call our evolutionary decisions, I mean, they're, they're good for now and they're good for you and they're good for the others and they're good for the marketplace that you serve. And, and it creates protected progress, protected achievement and progress. And so that kind of woke me up. He said, oh, okay, this, this, this must be where I have to, have to be a value to the world is support these great leaders, smart, intelligent leaders who are not yet wise enough to de- keep developing themselves so, and, and supporting them and de- having that in development as the basis for enhancing and protecting that out of development that they want. And one of the things, things we just realized lately is like, yeah, we want to work with more CEOs, but we don't really only want to work with those CEOs that really want to evolve themselves because there's basically two buckets of, of leaders out there. There's the bucket of, based on my experience, of CEOs or leaders who just want to get a solution, to get a result so that they can prove to themselves that they did it and they can prove to others that they did it and they can feel good about themselves and their ego. And that's great. And that, and that can actually be effective short term though. But what we've found in the leaders that we've worked with, and we've worked with at one company for like 13 years now, is that and this company's evolved from a billion dollar company to close to over or nearly 11 billion in revenues. And what we've found is that the leaders who continue to achieve and progress are the leaders that are not just improving their process and getting better solutions so they can get better outcomes and, and results, but the leaders that are actually developing their container of awareness and consciousness. They're evolving themselves. They're having that edge of perspective because they're becoming more awake, more alert, and more settled at the same time. And they're not chasing the success. They're just awake to what is the right choice. And as we said before, uh, we got on this uh, podcast was that there's many choices in life, but at the end of the day, there's only one choice. And that's the right choice in the right moment, what we need to evolve ourselves right now. And so the leaders that are really good at doing that and, and we support them in doing that, they, they just continue to get more support from their marketplace because they're, they're just like, they have a better energy. Uh, people really see the value of them. And, and a lot of the times people aren't making decisions based on what you've just presented to them, you know, a great idea or a great offer. They're making decisions on how they feel about you. Do you have the capacity that we're looking for to be able to pull this off? And I can give you one example of a CEO that we work with. And I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the big, you know, I'll give you a complete story here. First year we worked with him, 2010. Worked with him for that year. End of that year, he became CEO of the year for New Zealand and won that award. The company had done over a billion in revenue. It's the first time they'd reached a billion in revenue in 90 years of business. So great, great achievement. Amazing. He says to us, guys, I want to have a break. Said, oh, you just had the best year of your career. Why, why do you have a break? He said, well, I just want to see whether it's me having, just me having a great year or is it us working together? And we said, oh, that's very practical. Yeah, we should definitely have a break because you're very practical and you need to see cause and effect, black and white. So we left him with a question. We said, you have to work out why you won this award. And he goes, okay, that's a good question. So we had a break. Five months later, we check in with him and says, how's it going? He says, it's not going great. My deal's not working. I'm very frustrated and I don't know why. And so we said to him, well, have you answered that question we left you with? He said, no, I haven't even really thought about it. And so he gets super <laughs> curious about why is this question so important? And so he's trying to answer it for himself. Doesn't really get it. Kind of gets close, but doesn't really get it. And he says, we finally give it to him. He says, look, when you win an award like that, you've satisfied something for yourself and your own individuality and, and your ego. And you can feel good about that. 
But if you want to continue to progress and, and even a better way, then you have to have a higher purpose. You have to continue to develop yourself and you have to also support other people around you doing the same thing. And he breathes a sigh of relief and says, oh, it makes a lot of sense. Can we keep working together? So we kept working together. A few, few years go by, the company's grown $3 billion revenue. He then has this, this great edge of perspective. He says, oh, we can double the size of this company in the space of 90 days by acquiring this bigger, less performing company. Goes to his major shareholder and says, guys, we have to do this. It's the next thing we have to do to, to evolve this company and, and stabilize our, our presence in the market. Shareholders go, no, we don't want to do this. It's going to ruin the performance of the company, the stock price of the company, and the culture of the company. He comes back to us. And this is a common CEO thing. They, they, they have an idea for something, but somehow their market doesn't get it. And it's not that their market doesn't get the idea or that the people in their environment don't get the idea. They don't get that they can pull it off. So he comes gotcha. back to us, guys, I know we have to do it, but, but I'm not getting support for it. Um, what do I do? And we said, well, there's two things you can do. You can go back to them and continue to fight and argue and debate and, and try and intellectually pull them over the line. Or we can just work on you owning this reality that you see in yourself more fully, more clearly, because the more clear we can create something in ourselves, the more likely it can translate into our environment. And so he goes, okay, that sounds good. Let's work on me. So three or four weeks go by, we've, we're meditating with them. We're really getting clear about why this deal is so important and, and what he's going to need to bring out of himself to pull this out off. And after three, four weeks, I said, okay, we think you're ready. Let's, let's represent it to them. So we helped them, you know, kind of get the energy and the presentation right to represent it to the major shareholders. And he does that and the major shareholders go, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we should give this a go. <laughs> And again, oh they're not agreeing with his idea. They're agreeing that they're saying, <laughs> oh, this guy really believes it. Man, if we don't back this guy, we're going to miss out. And so uh, they, they said, yes, let's, let's make this work. And that was the first obstacle overcome. And the second obstacle was obviously making the deal work. And that involved long hours and tight timeframes and many possibilities where the deal was going to fall apart and, and stress around it all happening. And during this process, he comes to us and says, guys, you know what? I feel like. I feel like I'm the eye of the storm. <laughs> There's all this stuff going on, but I feel like I'm the eye of the storm. I feel so calm and relaxed. And the reason why I can feel this this way is because he's already so clear in himself that that this is going to happen. You know, he's already locked it in. He's owning it. He feels the the capacity to pull it off, and, and everyone's buying into his his way of thinking. And and the deal fell into place. And so they evolved into being a, a six billion dollar company. And he then went on to become chairman of the company. He retired in 2019. He was inducted into the New Zealand Business Hall of Fame. Um, we then ended up working with the succeeding CEO. We've been working with him, him for the last three years or so. And the company's since gone to, to $11 billion. And all, all along the path, it's always been about purifying the obstacles, right? And because everyone has problems and obstacles in their life, and, and the quicker that we can have the awareness to, to get through them, around them, over them, whatever, then the more things can unfold. And that's really what we do is we remove CEO's obstacles in 30 days or less through our proprietary process and, and technologies that we do to en enliven this consciousness to allow better things to happen. That's incredible. So I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. I just yes. spent the last, I got back, Yesterday, I spent the last seven days. That's where I told you I was meditating <laughs> uh, for That's five hours so a day. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Oh, man. Doing that much meditation, like not only is your consciousness clear, like you feel calm and collected. Like you said, the eye of the storm, like my life in certain aspects of business and things like that can get pretty hectic. And even this week back since I was gone for well, I, I was on vacation before that and this and that. So I come back and it's like, I feel like, yeah, there's a storm around me with everything from, from the podcast to my businesses, all of that. But I have this, this clearer purpose, this clearer energy. Like I'm, I'm feel like I'm working from a different level of energy. Like you had mentioned energy. I, Dr. Joe talked about that at nauseum and it was fantastic because my background, I'm a developer and a structural engineer. So I'm very pragmatic. Um, he does bring a lot of science to what he does and, and meditation in general, which I think is just brilliant. Um, 
But I love what you said about the CEO being so sure of the outcome and that it was going to happen no matter what was going on in the external world. The internal world was at peace. And I'm assuming meditation has a pretty big part to play in being able to regulate yourself, your emotions, your body, all of that. Because when you're in that meditative state, anything and everything will come up against you. And it's all about being present, noticing it, and not letting it affect you with your with your prefrontal cortex, your 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 front brain, your your your, your real world uh, cognitive thinking. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. What I mean, what you're experiencing right now is that your capacity is bigger than any problem, challenge, or opportunity you have right now. Now, if you hadn't done that and you'd come back into this this world, this busy world that you live in, then and your capacity was smaller than the problems, the challenges, and the opportunities you have, that's when we create stress, right? And that's why it's so important to make primary that inner development as the basis for taking care of the outer development, right? So our capacity is always greater than any problem. And when our capacity is greater than any problem, challenge, or opportunity, we become a catalyst, a good catalyst. And a catalyst is is able to capitalize, right? If we don't have the ability to catalyze things because of our decision-making, because of our communication, whatever it is that we do, then the market's not going to respond to us so well. The environment's not going to respond to us so well, you know? So, you know, it's super important that, you know, we are coming from that place where we have the capacity and the coherence that you're talking about with the prefrontal cortex. And what they've found is that there's a book called, I don't know if you've seen it or uh, come across called world-class brain. So the neuroscientists that had trained, had uh, studied world-class athletes, business leaders, and musicians. And what they found is that they have a unique style of brain functioning. They have large amounts of what they call global alpha coherence across all hemispheres of their brain. Now, what that means in layman's terms is that they're able to see those bigger pictures and also the finer details on how to fulfill those bigger pictures and make those right decisions, you know, to, to really progress things. And it's, it's an interesting thing because this, what I, what I read about and, uh, and I've experienced and, and what happens in meditation is there's more synchronicity and coherence between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. Now, a lot of people say, well, the function of the amygdala is fight, flight, or freeze. Yes, it is. But that's the lower functioning of the amygdala. The higher functioning of the amygdala, when it's in coherence with the prefrontal cortex, that's coherent and has a lot of this global alpha coherence in it, it's not fatigued, stressed, or frustrated, is vigilance. The, we just become extremely vigilant about how we're handling ourselves, how we're handling other people, how we're responding to things. And that vigilance is, there's a, a saying that's, that allows you to avert the danger before it arises. You know, it's, it's, it's being, being preventative. When you're vigilant, you're preventative. And so therefore, there's a lot of, as you may know, there's a lot of money and time and energy lost in business because of that lack of vigilance, right? So there's a lot of correcting that happens. And we're either correcting or we're creating. And obviously, we want to minimize having to correct so we can maximize creating. You know, and that comes from that that coherence with the amygdala and prefrontal cortex. I, what you just said blew my mind, and I can I can follow everything you said, and I just when people can do amazing things, it's these once you learn them, they're they're it, meditative practice isn't easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. But once you start like doing the things that you offer your clients. And it's so cool that your uh, road in life, 10 years meditating, but you also mentioned at the beginning of the show that you didn't recover as an athlete. You worked hard, you worked your ass off to get to the highest level, but you hit that ceiling because of the lack of recovery. Lack of but, which gave me lack of capacity. Capacity. Yep. Growing, you know? And, and some people are born, you know, there's definitely, I mean, it's kind of hard to say this, but some people are born with a huge capacity, right? Yes. They just, they, yes. They're, they're just, their brain, they got the wiring there already. 
And some of us have to have to work on developing it, you know. So I had a capacity to be a top three nationally ranked junior athlete, didn't have the capacity to get to the international level. So I, I tried my my guts out for 10 years and then I had to realize, ah, oh, I've got to go and develop capacity. So I spent 10 years doing that to, to unwind, you know, the stress, but also to, to have more capacity to be able to do what I do now, which is serve these leaders in developing their capacity. You know, at a, at a higher level, and and the only reason they engage us and hire and hire us because they can feel when we talk to them that we're coming from a greater capacity than that even they have because they haven't spent ten years meditating, but we have, and we can give them the shortcuts. You know, heck yeah, no, I I love that, and it's um yeah, all the training you've had throughout your life. I'm sure there were times that you were meditating at the monastery or whatever, just thinking like. What, where the heck is this, this life going? Like, oh, yeah. like obviously meditation is great. Um, when I was traveling throughout Southeast Asia, like I would talk to a lot of the monks, a lot of them started at very young ages and have been there for a while, but yeah, some, uh, a lot of them would continue on in different facets of their life. And, um, there's nothing wrong with, you know, meditating as a living, wanting to be connected, being an inspiration to other people, teaching, you know, being a teacher as well. I think all of that stuff is wonderful, but I just love how you've taken the different parts of your life and pieced it together to like, okay, here are, and I'm going to ask you this question in a moment, but you know, here are my superpowers. Like how can I link these superpowers with my mission and go out there and do just amazing things? And, you know, the, the numbers are the numbers. What you've done in your life is absolutely incredible. And you just hit 50, but now you have another 50 years. Like imagine how much more you can create with your life and with your child and, and, and your family. And it's just, I'm just so excited for where you are in your life because you've already done so much, but there's just a whole nother lifetime that you're just yeah. jumping it, you know, getting into. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the next 50 is more still continuing to integrate um, because I still meditate a lot. You know, I meditate a couple hours a day um, because I have to be in the, in the best state I can in serving CEOs. They, they need you to be on par. They need you to be relevant. And, and that's what I think evolving our, our brain physiology and our consciousness does. It enables us to be more relevant to whoever we're serving. And if we're not doing that, then we're not so relevant, you know, and therefore we don't get uh, support that maybe we want. And yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm a turtle in a lot of ways in terms of outer worldly growth, you know, because I, I took that turn at the age of, you know, basically 20 I, is when I, uh, or early, uh, early 20s is when I kind of stepped out of that physical world and stepped into that more inner development world. And, and it was basically 16 years there where, 10 of those years was full-time meditating, but those other years I was kind of like in boot camp. You know, I was, I was meditating about four yeah. hours a day, you know? So it, was, it wasn't like a sudden thing. It was like a, there was a transition and, and a building of that. And then when I came out and when I was like 36, 35, 36, and went to New York and stuff like that, um, that was a huge transition. It took me a while to find my feet in the world again. And, you know, like my business partner, he was up in the Himalayas for six years. He was a full-time meditating monk for 20, uh, no, 15 years, six of those in the Himalayas. And so he came out of the Himalayas because one of his buddies had a heart attack up there. So he had to take care of him. And then he decided he didn't want to go back. He wanted to come back to the world. And he called me up. He said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm in New York City. He said, well, how are you going to make money? You can't make money as an actor. You haven't like performed much at all. <laughs> and, and I said, well, I don't know. I haven't worked it out. And he said, well, why don't we just keep doing, because we, we'd actually set ourselves up at doing this type of business by creating a service uh, to support a monthly stipend that we had to come up with to support the room and board and food to, to live that lifestyle. So we would meditate in the mornings till 12 and then get on the phone call in the afternoons with a couple of business leaders. We didn't have many, we had a few clients back then. Didn't mean many, like a thousand bucks a month to get by sort of thing. Um, and then we'd go back and meditate at 4.30 until, until seven. Um, so, so he said, well, why don't we, we, we start what we're doing in a more professional way, you know? I said, okay, I, I got no, no, others, no one else is offering me any other opportunities right now to make money. So, uh, so we did that, you know, we just one by one, we started to, to pick up clients until we started getting bigger clients and, and it's been a progression and it's, 
we'd like to go a lot faster because we feel like there's a lot more value that we we can bring to a lot more CEOs, but they have to be the right CEOs. We don't want just want yeah. any CEO who wants results and solutions, but not really evolve themselves because that's not going to last. It's not sustainable. And so yeah. I feel like we're just getting started, you know, having turned 50 and, and my my more worldly material life is hopefully I've got the foundation to, to have a have a great material life going forward, you know, especially with, with providing for my son and, and partner. Exactly. No, and I, I, I can tell it, you're going to do continue to do great things. You've already done great things and I know it's just going to continue moving forward. So awesome. Well, we only have a few minutes left, so I, I want to make sure I hit a couple things real quick. If you do or had a superhero name, these are superhero questions, by the way, what would your superhero name be? Uh, I think it's the one I've already got. And the reason why I tell you this is because uh, when I when I was growing up, I was my first name was actually Shane Ramon Newman, and then when I got to thirty, I had a look at my Vedic uh, astrology chart, and there's a sound with every chart based on your exact time of birth, and so that sound that came out of that chart was Ra, right? And that was the first name I actually my mother thought of was Ramon, and so I go to my mom, mom said, mom would you know, the sound is actually really good for me based on my birth chart. And I said, would you mind if I switched my middle and, and first name? And she says, whatever makes you happy, right? And so I did that. And I've since found out that the name Ramon means, uh, it means a couple of things, but the main kind of Western perspective one is uh, wise protector, right? Uh, I'm playing the role of a wise protector, uh, wise counsel to, to these leaders. And, you know, and, and the word Ram actually from a Vedic point of view means wholeness, means peace. It means that uh, the wholeness value. And I, I feel like I'm bringing more wholeness um, to their world. And, and from a, yeah, I mean, that's basically my name. That's incredible. That is, that's not coincidence, man. That is, that is awesome. I had mentioned superpowers earlier. What are your superpowers? Oh, you do. You want a whole list, or you just want one? <laughs> top, top two. Let, yeah, <laughs> let's top be two. let's be a little humble. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, would, just a couple of your top. Okay, superpowers yeah, for sure. Uh, so I say I'd say the main one that I bring is coherent energy, and the the reason why I say that is because I'm very I'm a great exponent, right? That's why I could I could train. Give me a training program, and I'll train it. You know, give me a, a, a meditating program and, a, and I'll do it, right? And so I'm, I'm very orderly in that, in that respect. And I do things uh, and execute in a very coherent, energetic way. And I think that's really important. And, and then the second one on top of that, I say like um, high integrity. You know, like if I say I'm going to do something, then if I'm saying I'm going to give you this much money, I'm going to give you this much money, right? Um, and I also expect the same from other people. It's like, well, you're going to, you're going to, you know, if it's a loan, then you, I'm expecting you to obligate to, to pay that back. So I always like to like, if I'm going to say something or do something, I'm going to be coherent. I'm going to have coherent energy around that. I'm going to follow through that and, and maintain that high integrity. Um, because then that, it makes me feel good. And it also sets a standard as how I want people to treat me. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's so important. And I know we're not jumping into it, but yeah, setting that expectation for people, because if you don't do that on the front end, mm -hmm. yeah, you're, you're playing by their rules essentially and, uh, giving up your power to them. But that's another, another topic for another day. Um, yeah. superheroes, do you have any favorite superheroes? It could be, you know, comic book people or real life superheroes, uh, who are, who are a couple of your superheroes? God, yeah. I mean, I, I think I've got a, I've got a number of them. I mean, I think, I don't think I've got one specific uh, person. What I think I, I, I see superheroes is when I see someone who's excelling and, and they've really spent the time to develop that craft uh, and then be, be really good at it. I mean, that's, that's a superhero to me, you know, someone who's, who's put in the discipline, the work to get really good at something. And then you just see them, see them do so well, you know? Um, you know, I mean, Kelly Slater comes to mind. I mean, that guy's the surfer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
he's just like to win 11 world surf titles and he's 51 now i think and he's still on the pro circuit you know that guy's a master you know he's he's definitely the goat of goats sort of thing you know messi's another one i mean coming up from a sports bracket i I tend to default yeah yeah, yeah. the sporting superheroes sort of thing um so yeah there's uh dan carter who, who played for the all blacks um a big all blacks rugby fan um he won two two world cups and you know was he's the top uh point score in international rugby um just guys who just put in the work or girls who have put in the work and then they just and they maintain it you know or they're able to build on it you know like the people that they do well and then somehow they're not able to it means something's not right with their own inner development you know they're not putting right. in that work they're just putting in the outer work but it's they haven't got the foundation there so those are my superheroes who, who really are inside out superheroes yeah no, I, I think that aligns up with exactly how you live your life. And f- speaking from a guy who loves meditation, like I, I couldn't agree with you more. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, I wish we had more time there. I am going to ask you this live, but I am starting a masterclass series mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. asking a few of the guests that I've had on the show, if they'd come back and do a masterclass, would you want to and be willing to do like a meditative masterclass and take the audience through a meditation at yeah. some point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I actually have a program that I do with uh, someone out of Sydney, Australia. We call it clear to lead. So it's helping people get really clear in their minds, giving them the basis from which to, to lead from, right? Because often we can default to, oh, I'm busy. My mind's busy. Everything's busy. And I should lead from that busyness, right? But it's not the best place to be leading from but when you're clear and settled that's the best place so yeah happy to i appreciate that one one meditation question i have just just from my perspective and i know it'll help the audience for beginning meditators how do you get out of that busy mind like what have you found has been a simple technique to get yourself into that deeper subconscious state Okay, so let me preface this by giving some context. There's there's three different types of meditation basically out there, right? There's focused attention meditation where we're focused on a particular object or word or or something inside of ourselves or something outside of ourselves. And, that, and that's useful for strengthening the ability to concentrate and focus. The only problem with that is it keeps the mind on the surface. You're engaging the senses or yourself in something on the surface. Uh, and that activates the gamma, no, yeah, the gamma frequency in the brain, which is a very excited frequency. Right? When we're focusing on something, there's this like excited frequency in the brain to focus on it. Now, the next type of meditation you'll find out there is open monitoring, self-monitoring meditation. So things like you're monitoring your heart rate, your breath rate, someone's spoken word, um, you know, mindful type stuff. Um, and that's very useful for processing and contemplating, right? Again, though, it's still engaging the mind on that, on that surface value of doing something, even though it's a subtle doing, it's still a doing and it's activating more of that, that beta frequency in the brain. So beta is when we focus on an object and we process information. Uh, you know, we're, we're processing what we're taking in. So it's a processing thing. So again, useful for processing things and contemplating, but still engaging the mind on that some superficial level of thinking. So the last type of meditation you find out there is automatic self-transcending techniques. And these are techniques that go beyond the technique itself. And this is really the definition of a good technique. It's just a vehicle to bring you to an experience. And so these techniques will allow the mind to more fully settle down from a conscious level to a subconscious level to that pure consciousness, right? And I talk about... You know, we talk about the iceberg, there's the one quarter above, the three quarters below. What a lot of people don't talk about is where did that iceberg come from in the first place? It came from the still, settled, unbounded ocean, right? And so when we have techniques that are able to transcend and traverse those layers, then naturally we get to have that that unbounded settledness, which is also awake. It's also dynamic. Within that ocean is a huge amount of dynamism and energy, right? To create waves, to create icebergs and, and everything. So 
there's techniques out there that allow you to transcend. And we actually transcend all the time. But what we're doing is we're doing it in a more concentrated form. So the brain becomes cultured and used to functioning that way. So we're not functioning so much from waking, dreaming, and sleeping, which is what we, the relative states of consciousness, but we're functioning from transcendental consciousness, which is a fourth state. It's a non-changing state of consciousness where we can witness and observe a lot better. And so the more that we can have that transcending, we transcend when we wake up, we were in sleep or dream state, and then we transcend and then we wake up. We're in waking state and then we get tired or sleepy or dreamy and we transcend and we go into those states, right? So the point is, is the gap between those relative states of consciousness is that settled state, right? And so there's techniques that, that I've found from my experience. I mean, obviously I learned TM transcend meditation, so that's my transcending version to get there. Um, there's a Qigong technique that's been found to be very uh, good at doing that. Uh, the only difference they've found between that transcending Qigong technique and, and the TM technique is that um, when people do TM, it, it's very like when I first experienced it, it was it's instantaneous because it's so effortless, simple, and natural because the mind naturally wants to transcend. The mind naturally wants to be settled. The body wants to be active and do things, and the body has to be active and do things. Otherwise, it's not going to survive. But the mind is happiest when it's settled and awake and alert, right? And that's when we get what we get through transcendence. So, yeah. So exploring that—that's that's my tip, you know, for for getting that yeah. culturing that settled state of awareness. No, which I appreciate also, you sharing that. Which is also dynamic. Okay, keep in mind it's like we're pulling back the arrow on the bow. <laughs> yeah, still, yep. it's really still here, but there's a huge amount of dynamism behind this arrow because we've pulled it back, right? Yep. And a lot of leaders are firing a lot of arrows trying to get things done, but they're not taking the time so much to pull the arrow back so that they're more effortless and powerful in, in their actions. No, I appreciate you sharing that because my I was very, very big into Theravada Buddhism. And I think that was more the second level you were talking about, about being aware of things, processing things, but you're still staying up in those um, higher uh active brain waves and um the stuff i'm learning now is more of what you're talking about with the the yeah. transcending techniques and things like that and from my experience experience with the two worlds or modes of meditation like what you teach and and what you're talking about oh man it is blowing my let's just say it's blowing my mind it is it, it's changing my complete perspective on the world and it's changing me from the like we said from the inside out and it's just it's been a game changer and I'm just so excited about, I get excited about meditation all the time now, like meditated yeah. a couple hours this morning and I can't wait till the end of the day because yeah. I get to meditate for a couple more and I'm just so excited about it. I'm, I'm so excited that you'll be uh, coming back and leading the audience on a meditation. I think that's going to be so powerful and I, I just, I can't, I can't wait. Yeah, no, it'd be fantastic, especially uh, getting together as a group to meditate, as group coherence, is infinitely more powerful than meditating by yourself. I mean, if you can only meditate by yourself, meditate by yourself, absolutely. But if you can meditate in a group, that group coherence is so powerful and not only has an effect on you in a more powerful way, it has an effect on the environment. And there's about 60 studies that have shown where groups of people meditate together, it has a calming effect societally on 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 reducing crime, reducing car accidents, reducing disease. It's very, yep. very, very, very powerful. And I'm actually involved in a film project and uh, I won't, won't reveal the name to it yet, but it looks like we're going to get a, a huge amount of funding to, to pull it off. And uh, it's an action adventure movie that, that demonstrates the power of the field effect um, in, in groups meditating and, and how that can change the trends of, of situations and times. That's awesome. Well, I am going to be following you. I am very excited about that, especially um, when it comes through, because that sounds yeah, you, you, amazing. You're, you're going to be active and actually making it not a movie, but a, a real life experience. I can tell you that. I mean, I can see that you're just lighting up more and more. There's more connectivity and there's just more more light, you know, every time that you're, you're meditating and, and you're bringing out more of that consciousness through yourself. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Hey, there's no going back. Every time I meditate, I come out in a new dimension as a new person 
and it just gets keep it keeps getting better and better every time so Beautiful. i appreciate ramon it has been an absolute pleasure having you for those of you listening ramon is the co-founder of new mavericks which is a ceo leadership development partnership based both out of here in the u.s and australia go to the website newmavericks.com they also have a book called the book of science sorry science of protection and I'm definitely going to read it as a leader myself. I think what you've talked about during this episode is just so powerful because it's about really transforming yourself, stretching yourself, growing, and not just being, you know, based on numbers, things like that, like being someone who truly makes a change in the world. Also follow him on Instagram at Ramon Newman. Remember, that's Ramon with two A's, R-A-A-M-O-N-N-E-W-M-A-N. Well, I hate to say goodbye, but I am so excited for where you are in your life, just turning 50, just having your first kid. And I'm so excited that we're going to be talking again here, hopefully sooner rather than later. And But I just want to say I am truly blessed and grateful for having you come on the show today. Thank you so much, Ace. I feel the same way and I look forward to our hero's journey uh, together and seeing what we can create, uh, creating a better influence for the world. That's right. That's right. Be better so we can do better. So for those of you listening, Superhero by Design, once again, thank you for spending your time listening to me. I know you're really here for the guests because people like Ramon keep coming on and they just are such amazing people. They inspire me and I know that if they're inspiring me, they're inspiring you as well. So keep tuning in because we have so many more great guests coming up. And we also have that series masterclass, which Ramon will graciously be a part of. And I am so excited because that meditation is going to change your life guaranteed. So with that said, thank you for tuning in. Have a great day. Ace out. <laughs>